We've been in this series on Ruth, and um, I don't know about you guys, but man, it's been incredible to see um, and talk about and explore this idea of God's providence. And as I think about and reflect on my own life, I definitely can look back on those moments and see God's hand working and um, the reality that he's calling each and every one of us to himself. And I love those lyrics from that song, um, you called me out of the grave. And uh, I love that we have a personal God. When I was in... um, when I was in a Denver seminary, we were studying comparative religions and, and uh, you know, it's interesting as you look at different religions and, and then you look at Christianity and you see the kind of relational, loving father that we have. And it's amazing. We're going to talk about that a little bit tonight, um, but we're going to jump into chapter four of Ruth really quickly as we wrap up this series. Because we left last week on a, on a kind of a cliffhanger, right? Um, Boaz said, I, I, I want to be the guardian redeemer. I want to be God's provision for you. But he said, I can't because there's somebody else in line ahead of me. And, uh, and he said, we need, to, we need to talk to this guy first and, and see uh, what he says. And then maybe... Maybe I can be your guardian redeemer. And so that's where we find ourselves in this story. But I want you to think about, you know, all of the decisions, all the things, all the happenings that have led to this point, right? This is the whole message. This is the whole point of this book is God is in control, that things happen that seem coincidental, but the reality is, is God is working through those, those natural events to create a supernatural outcome, to draw us to himself, to, to bring us unto him, to redeem your life and to redeem my life just as he has a plan here for Ruth. But what's beautiful is that if, if, you've, if you haven't read chapter four yet, The cool thing is that we learn that it's not just about God providing for Ruth. It's not just a story about God's favor in Ruth's life. It's not just a story about God um, providing for Naomi even or or, uh, providing for Boaz, right? It's actually a, a, a much, much bigger story of God's redemption, So we're going to jump on to um, verse 1 here really quickly. We'll skip through a little bit of it. Meanwhile, Boaz went up to the town gate and sat down there just as the guardian redeemer he had mentioned came along. Okay, so um, basically, long story short, Ruth proposed to Boaz in chapter 3. Yes, you, you heard me correctly. Ruth proposed to Boaz Uh, Excuse me, that was chapter two. And um, long story short, Boaz said, look, I'd love to be your guardian redeemer. They had this this element in their culture that basically said, uh, if there's somebody in the family, they can marry the widow and and basically provide for the family and and protect the family. Um, And so she... She proposed to Boaz. She said, would you be my guardian redeemer? And he said, I'd love to, but there's this other guy, so we have this little detail that we need to, we need to settle. And so here we are. This other guy just walks up. 
He says, come on over here, my friend, and sit down. So he went over and they sat down. And long story short, they talked. And, and Boaz said, do you want to do this? And the other guy, we don't know his name, he said, yes, I want to do this. And then he said, well, actually, here's, here's, here's the, the reality is, is you're not just getting the property. You're also going to have to marry Ruth. And he was like, whoa, no, no thanks. Not into that. You guys remember, she's not an Israelite. She's a Moabite. And I think this is at the root or the heart of why this guy didn't want anything to do with her. He actually said she could threaten my, uh, my entire estate. And so it wasn't without consequence. And so um, verse 6, at this the guardian redeemer said, then I cannot redeem it because it might endanger, I might endanger my own estate. So the guardian redeemer, verse 8, said to Boaz, buy it yourself. And he removed his sandal. So there's this thing in their culture where they removed the sandal to indicate that they wanted to um, go ahead and step in as that guardian redeemer. Then Boaz announced to the people, today your witnesses that I have bought from Naomi. So he's buying Elimelech's property. I've also acquired Ruth, the Moabite, Malon's widow as my wife in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from his hometown. Today, you are witnesses. So Boaz became the guardian redeemer for Ruth. Ruth wasn't an Israelite. This wasn't her culture. This wasn't her, um, this wasn't a, a custom in her culture. He became the guardian redeemer for a woman who, um, she didn't even practice this. Sometimes God knows our needs before we even know them ourselves. You guys ever been there where um, something happens and you look back and you see God was, pre was preparing provision for you before you even know, knew to pray for that provision, right? We see that happening here. And so Boaz and Ruth get married. Yay. They get married. It's that time they... They became husband and wife. God gave them a son. Here's what's amazing. Then Naomi took the child in her arms. This is the grandmother. Um, the woman living there, Naomi, had a, has a son. And they named him Obed. And he was the father of Jesse. Jesse, the father of David. You guys know who David is, right? So here we are, we're all the way in the Old Testament. We're during the time of the judges, a time where like the whole nation of Israel was rebelling against God and he had to raise up these judges to, to intervene and to, to rescue the Israelites in all these situations. It was a, it's a black spot on the history of the Israelites and yet here in this little town of Bethlehem, the house of bread, he brought Ruth and Boaz together. Ruth, who should have never even been there. She's a Moabite. 
She should have never even been there. And here she was married to Boaz and their son is the grandfather of David, the king of Israel. But it doesn't stop there. You see, if we jump from Ruth over to Matthew, if you'll go with me um, over to Matthew chapter 1. You see, Matthew is writing to the other Jews, okay? Now we're in the New Testament. Matthew's writing to the other Jews, and what is he trying to say? He's trying to explain that Jesus is the Messiah, because they didn't believe it. They thought he was a heretic and they thought he was all these things and ultimately he was crucified. Matthew was writing to argue to the Jews that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the one that they had been anticipating, the one that they had been looking for for millennia and was foretold would come. Matthew's like, this is that guy. And how better to explain, sorry, uh, about to throw my phone at somebody, um, how better to explain that Jesus Christ is the Messiah than to show his lineage to none other than David. And so if we look at this verse one, this is the, the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So uh, verse two, he starts all the way back with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And he goes on, and then he, um, in verse 6, if you look there, he says, And Jesse, the father of King David. Sorry, I skipped over uh, the important one, verse 5. Salmon, the father of Boaz, who is the mother of, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. There she is in the lineage of the Messiah. This woman who should have never even been in Israel, God put her there. She has a place in the story of redemption. She has a place in the story of the redemption of mankind. And if you go on, you see the beautiful... I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I find it hard to read through the genealogies, right? And you kind of ask yourself, like, man, what's so significant about this? But the reality is, is that there's so many gems in the genealogies. You start to see this person uh, was involved and this person was this person's grandma. And, and it begins to make sense. And here in the time of the judges when Israel was rebelling and ultimately they were doing horrible horrible things God was doing an incredible thing through his providence and I want to just encourage you tonight I just want to encourage you I love that we have a personal God who knows us he knows our name he he has put things in place for you to be here this evening. Think about that. Think about the people in your life, if you go all the way back, the people in your life that encouraged you to go to church or the, the people in your life that encouraged you to think about God's purposes for your life or the people in your life that, that challenged um, you when maybe you were um, questioning or rebelling or doing your own thing and they said, no, you gotta, you gotta keep it up, you gotta keep going, you gotta keep plugging in, don't give up, don't disconnect. 
and you find yourself, however many years later, here in this place tonight, you are part of the story of redemption. You are a part of the story of redemption because not only does God work through his providence to draw you unto him, but he works through his providence to use you to draw others unto him. And so as each one of you sit here and you think, man, it's amazing that God loves me so much that he put this piece and this piece and this piece together to to draw me unto him. And now I experience life in him, forgiveness in him. He wants to do the same thing through you in somebody else's life. Let me pray, and we're just going to um, sing a couple more songs. Father, we just thank you for Ruth. Thank you for her bold faith when she didn't even have it all figured out. God, I just think about all the people that talk about how, oh, you need to know everything that you're getting into to really, you know, have a saving faith. <laughs> just... Think about Ruth. She didn't have a clue who you were. But she borrowed on Naomi's faith. God, maybe somebody here tonight is in a difficult place and they're struggling to even have faith. God, I pray that you would give them a Naomi. Maybe they can borrow their faith for a little while, for a season, to make it through this season of difficulty, this season of busyness, this season of of dryness, maybe um, not feeling your presence. Or maybe somebody's here and you're giving them a vision right now of somebody that they could be an encouragement to or be a, a Naomi for, uh, to mentor, to encourage, to pray over, to, to, to be a part of that story of redemption of, hey, don't give up. Don't stop. Don't disconnect. Don't unplug. And ultimately, all of this is by your providence. Drawing us closer to you every single day. Pray that we would um, enter into a space where we can cry out before you that you are holy God, that you are our strength, our refuge, our shelter, our foundation. Help us to pause in the busyness of life and just bow at your feet and call you holy.